And we're going to continue in our series, Born to Give. And today's message is titled, Born Legacy. And uh, we're just going to press right in. Same scripture as last week, because God is speaking the same message. In those days, verse 1, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is. Can you say who is? Who is Christ. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now buckle your seatbelts because we got to go. We've got a lot to share with you in a little bit of time. We've been talking about this message, born to give. About how God sent a Savior to a world because God is a giving God. And last week we talked about how God did not come. He did not send Jesus to the earth to take anything from you. That Jesus by his love and his grace and the finished work of Calvary came and forgave us of what we could not pay. He forgave us a debt that we could not pay. And through that, all of our sins are washed away. Forgiveness has come and we've received the grace of God. Now buckle your seatbelts because I'm going to say something to you here. You might be ready with Twitter or Facebook. That's all right. But let me just bless you this morning. I'm going to shock you. Christmas is not a holiday. Hello, somebody. I said Christmas is not a holiday. Christmas is the advent of Christ. It's not a holiday. God did not send his son to earth to give us another holiday. God did not send his son to earth to give us a three-day weekend. Christmas is not a holiday. The world has taken Christmas and turned it into a holiday. God sent Jesus not for a holiday, but to give us a Savior. We talk about this series, Born to Give. This morning, I want to talk about a legacy. I want to talk about that thing when we continue on this idea. Now, the definition of a legacy is very simple. Are you with me? It's something handed down from an ancestor to a predecessor. That's a legacy. A legacy is something handed down from an ancestor to a predecessor. Now, I want you to understand, you might believe me, you might not believe me, but legacies are rare. Legacies are rare. Legacies are something which people are known for and are known by. 
be known personally, but sometimes people are known by a legacy. They're rare. They're gifts from one person to another, from one generation to the next. America is one of those countries who has a great legacy, something that's passed down from one generation to another. It's the idea of freedom. It's the idea that we can worship without any restraint. That's a legacy, church. As we look at the life of Jesus, we see, we read through Matthew, we read through Mark, we read through Luke, we read through John, and we see the giving of Christ and the ministry of Christ. We see the attitude of Christ. And at the end of each of those books, at the end of all those books, at the end of all of the giving of Christ, at the end of all the ministry of Christ, we see that Jesus gives some instructions to his disciples. And each and every ending of those books, he says to his disciples, go and make disciples. He said, go lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said, go preach the gospel of the good news of the kingdom to the world and God will come and save souls. That's a legacy. Jesus was giving to his disciples something to live for and to live on. A legacy. We see it. We see it happening in Acts chapter 1. We understand that this legacy begins to take place there. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And he's gathered again his, his, his friends and his disciples before he ascends to the, to the heavenly father. And he's there 40 days and 40 nights. Why? To validate the point that he's alive. 40 days and 40 nights, he's alive. He's, he's validating the resurrection. He says to them, he says, I've told you all these things. Go and do. He said, I've told you all these things to make happen. But, can you say but? But I want you to wait for the promise. He said, I've given you a legacy. I've given you something to live on. I've given you something to live for. But I want you to wait. I want you to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because he will come and endue you with power. He will come and fill your life. So that you can validate that I am alive and well. Through the Spirit of God living in you. There's a legacy. Maybe you know that when Jesus ascended to the Father, the Spirit of God came as a way of validating that legacy. To live inside of us. To dwell among us. To not be a God who is way out across the cosmos, way over yonder that can't be found. But to be a God who's as close as the mention of His name. When He said all of that, He ascended. And there they stand. There they stand. Watching Jesus. Now, maybe you don't read your Bible like I do, but I can just hear this conversation. The angel shows up. They're gawking at heaven. And the angel says, hey, what are you gawking at? Let me just, this is uh, PD's translation. What are you guys gawking at? The same Jesus who went up is coming back. Why don't you go do in the meantime what he told you to do? And then poof, the angel's gone. Can you see the guy standing around? What do we? Can you see him now? Okay. What do we do now? Hey, come on. You, you've been in one of those meetings where a lot of questions are asked, right? Where someone's going to ask the same questions that's been asked a hundred times. 
And you're like, we just answered that question. Can you see the disciples standing there going, okay, what do we do now? We just answered this question. Can you see one of the disciples go, well, do you think he'll be back in a week? Maybe a month. Let's give him a month. He'll be back in a month. Can you see the disciples go, you think he's coming back in our lifetime? I can see them all turn to Peter and go, what do you think, Peter? You, you seem to always have something to say pretty quiet right now. You got anything to say now? Can you, can, what do we do, Peter? Can you see Peter go, I don't know. Can you see him turn to Thomas? Thomas, what do you think? Well, I don't even think he, was ever, he ever left. I don't even know. What do we do now? Here's the deal. Think about this. All year long, we hear it from the pulpit. We hear it from the church. We hear it in our faith that God challenges us to have faith in him. Have faith in him. Have faith in him. Think about this at Christmas now. That we're thinking about Christmas. We're looking at all the decorations. We're enjoying the music. We're getting into the season now. Think about this. All our life, we always hear the challenge that God wants us to have faith, even in this building, even in this ministry. Got to have faith in God. Moving forward, planting churches, expanding ministry, doing all those things. Got to have faith in God. I read this Christmas story, and you know what I see? I'm amazed at the faith that God has in us. Think about your legacy, your life, how you want to be remembered. Would you want to leave it with these guys? Hello, somebody. They're fighting over who's got to be the greatest right at this moment. They're still mad at each other because two of them went and, and tried to go into cahoots and make a deal with Jesus. And Jesus has got to leave his legacy. We've got to leave the kingdom with these guys. Think about your own family. If you had to leave, if you've got to leave the way you're going to be remembered on the face of the earth with your family, how soon are you going to be forgot? Come on. The ministry of reaching people is what Jesus left them. He, God's got faith in us, church. Christmas time is a declaration of God putting his faith in us. Hello, somebody. His ministry of reaching people. His ministry of healing the sick. His ministry of meeting needs and supplying God's deliverance of grace to a lost and dying world. His ministry of setting the captive free. Y'all not helping me. His ministry of victory over darkness. God's delivering power in people's lives. He's leaving it with us. Can you, can, I mean, come on. In reality, Jesus got to be taught. I mean, can it happen? Jesus talking to the Father. I know I'm supposed to be on the throne on your right-hand side there, but I'm not sure we can trust these guys. No, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. He looked at these guys, and you know what he said? He said, you got this. You got this, right? You got this. You can do this. I know who you are, and I know who you serve, and I know who wants to live inside of you. You got this. Somebody say, I got this. Look at your neighbor and say, you got this. See, it's the Christmas message. It's the mission of God. And God goes, okay, I'm out of here. He's gone. And he left it up to you and I to carry on his legacy. He's putting his faith in us. It's the Christmas message. 
Let me give you a few things here. Let me give you a few things quickly. He left us a legacy of ministry. Now, this is so, this is so good because um, you, you're going to look at me and say, well, Pastor Don, hey, hey, let me have a conversation with you, PD. I'm, I'm not in ministry. You're in ministry. That's your job. That's the church's staff's job. No, we're all in the ministry of reconciliation. That's the only ministry God's ever given anybody is the ministry of reconciliation. We are all in that. We've been called to be ministers of peace, to reconcile two enemies together. Hello, church. The Bible teaches us that when a man is lost and without God, he's an enemy of God. And God has left us a ministry, a legacy to reconcile enemies. See, how do we do that? We've got to go into the highways and the byways and to tell people that God is not mad at you and you don't need to be mad at God. The ministry of reconciliation is that God loves you. He gave his son to you to make peace between you and him. We need to minister. Jesus didn't just leave us hanging, church. He just didn't leave us hanging. He said, verily... Truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That greater stuff puzzles people sometimes. Let me just, let me just put it out there, okay? Are you with me? How do you outdo opening blinded eyes? Y'all not hearing me. I'm supposed to do something greater than that, Jesus? How do you outdo a deaf man who's deaf and can't speak when you lay your hands on him? Now all of a sudden he can hear and speak. How do you outdo that, Jesus? How, how do you outdo the lame who was born, amen, born lame, never walked in their life, and Jesus shows up on the scene and touches them, and the, the, the power of God flows into them, and they leave that place leaping and running with joy in their hearts. Jesus, how do I do that? How do I outdo that, Lord? I mean, it's pretty intimidating. Come on, greater things? I mean, you can't have a decent funeral around Jesus. You can't even have a decent funeral around Jesus. How do I outdo that? Now, let's just be honest. How many of us have ever walked in the funeral home, right? Walked over to the coffin and said, greater things am I about to do? Amen? A little girl dead. Lazarus, Jesus' friend, Dead. And Jesus shows up and boom, they're alive. How, how do you do something greater than that? Well, I'm not talking about quality church. Neither is Jesus. He's challenging us that there was, there's only one of him and that we are many and we can go many places at the same time and carry the kingdom of God. He has left us a legacy, a ministry. So we're all on it. Whatever we see Jesus doing in the Gospels. You say, what, what should I do? How should I do this? Whatever you see Jesus doing in the Gospel, that's what you should be doing. 
Right? We see Jesus encouraging people. We see Jesus lifting people up. We, we see Jesus ministering. We see Jesus praying for people. We see Jesus forgiving people. We, uh, uh-oh. We see Je- I'm going to say it again. We see Jesus forgiving people. We see Jesus blessing people and casting out demons. We see Jesus in the Gospels laying hands on the sick and seeing that whatever we see in Jesus do, that's what he's commissioned us to do. So at the end of the Gospels, he said what? Go. I want you to invest in others. I want you to invest in others. In Mark chapter 16, look what he says here. And these signs shall accompany those who believe. In my name, they shall drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They shall pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. Everybody raise your hands. You see these hands? These are the hands of the Lord. I said, these are the hands of the Lord. They represent Christ. And you say, oh no, not me, not me. No, these are the hands of Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit Church. And what Jesus did is what he wants us to do. To bring healing to the nations. To bring love to the nations. To bring forgiveness and grace to the nations. That's what he's called us to do. He's given us a legacy to live on. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to make up some kind of new ministry. He said, go make disciples. Let me help you out, church. Some people say, well, we need to pray about it. No, you don't need to pray about it. You you don't need to pray about it. You, You do not need to pray about what Jesus has already said do. When it comes to doing what Jesus says do, it doesn't take faith, it takes obedience. I don't have faith for that. No, you don't have obedience for it. He's got faith in you. That's why he said, do it. We turn it the other way around and say, I don't know if I got faith for that. Listen, God didn't ask you to have faith for what he already asked you to do. He asked you to be obedient. So he's given us a legacy, ministry. Let me give you PD's definition. I'll help you out. Make it very simple. Right? This is my commentary. I'm writing it. You write your own, but this is mine. You know what ministry is? It's taking what I have and giving it to someone who doesn't. Taking what I have and giving it to someone who needs it. That's ministry. Isn't that what God did? Isn't that what Jesus... He took what heaven had and he gave. Jesus was born to give. Jesus was not born to create a holiday. Jesus was not born to create a religion. Jesus was born to give. And that gives us a legacy. Gives us something. People say, who are you? I'm a child of God. I was born into a legacy. And I'm doing what Christ did. I'm giving. That, that's ministry. We, we try to complicate it. Well, this is ministry. Well, I've got this type of ministry. I've got that ministry or this ministry. You know the ministry you need to have? The same ministry Jesus had. Taking what you have and giving it to people who need it. You know how, you know how community is saved? By giving. You know how our culture is changed by ministry? How much, how much, how, let me ask you, how much has our culture been affected for the good by government? How much has our culture been affected for the good by politics? 
How much of our, our government, I mean, our culture has been affected for the good by laws? None of that. But let me tell you what will affect our culture and change the world that we live in. Let me help you out this morning, church. It's Christmas time. It's called ministry. Taking what we have, his name is Jesus Christ, and giving him away. He will change your community. He will change your culture. That's our legacy. I've got to go. A legacy of giving. I know this is going to, this is going to hit you hard. Especially at Christmas, because I just watched this commercial from Target on TV the other day, and the whole commercial was surrounded around all these little cartoon characters that all the kids watch on TV now, right? Like, uh, I don't know, whoever they are. They're like, uh, La La Loopsie, or well, I don't even know how you say the name, um, Dora, and all these, all these characters, right? And they're all, they all wake this, this boy up or whatever, and they get him stirred, and they're like, hurry up, hurry up, we've got to go. Hurry up, get up, we've got to go, we've got to go. Tell us what you got, tell us what you got. We want to see what you got. And they lead him to the Christmas tree where there's presents under it, and they're all encouraging him, open it up, open it up. We want to see what you get. It's all about getting. You know, I just think sometimes consumerism shoots itself in the foot. It seems like I'd sell more stuff if I encouraged people to give. See, the the legacy of having a heart of giving, a heart of generosity, as we plant, as we sow, as we invest beyond the concerns about our own needs, it's always looking into giving, looking where we can help where we can advance. Jesus wanted to teach his disciples something one day. This is a neat story. I don't know if you've ever really spent some time in it a lot. Maybe some of you Bible teachers and Bible study people have. Jesus took his disciples to a spot where the offering was being taken up. And the Bible says that he set a cross from where they were taking up the offering. Listen, it's in, uh, it's in Mark chapter 12. And it says, Jesus, are you with me? Sat down opposite, calling his disciples to himself. And watch the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many, can you say many? Many rich people threw in large amounts. That left me out. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Do you know I just discovered in Canada they did away with the penny. Like everything's rounded up to the, to the nickel, up or down. They did away with the penny. Let's just I, be honest with me, guys. When you're vacuuming out your wife's car, right, you see a penny on the floor, you just vacuum it up. You don't pick it up. You just, I don't have time for that. It's minuscule. It's minute. I mean, I, I, I don't have time to vacuum out the car, much less pick up all the pennies. Think about this. What she gave wasn't a denomination in the Greek and Roman culture. They didn't have a coin to represent what she gave. That's why the Bible says she put in two copper coins. There was nothing to represent how small it was that she gave. It was so small that there was no coins. There was no measurement for it. There was nothing in their society. It was so minuscule and trivial. But look how Jesus wants to teach his disciples about this lesson about being born to give. He called himself to 
his disciples to himself. And he says this, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than any other. Can you see the disciples say, What you been smoking, Jesus? It's, it, uh, nobody's going to bother counting it. You, you don't take a bag of pennies into a bank and watch their reaction. I need this counted, please. They're not going to take the time to count that. I noticed the other day, there's a, there's a coin counter in uh, Meyer in Three River, right? And I saw somebody there dumping, you know, like cups and stuff in there. And, and all the pennies are going through it. All that stuff. It's, it's a minuscule, minuscule mite. Look at it. He says this about this. She has put in more into the treasury than all those others. And he says they gave out of their wealth. But she gave out of her poverty. Put in everything all she had to live on. Now... Most of us here in the United States don't feel rich. We always feel like rich is beyond us. Right? I gave you some statistics a few weeks back. When we think about being rich, we always think it's the next level. It's the next pay grade. It's always beyond us. But let me give you this statistic. Buckle your seatbelt. You ready? If you make $36,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the wealthiest human beings on the face of the planet. How many of you know, there's, not a, whole, there's a whole lot of people who ain't doing very well. We think about $36,000, we don't feel rich. But here's what Jesus was saying. This woman gave all she had. She gave more. So here's what we can learn about the aspect of giving. God is not impressed by zeros. Y'all get that at lunch. God's not impressed by zeros. All the gold, all the silver, all the precious stones, the rubies. Who do you think put them here on earth to start with? God's not impressed by riches. God paves a street in heaven with gold. No big deal. God's not going to be gone, blown away. When you, when you and I put one, two, three, four zeros behind what we give, God's not going to be like, hold the train. Somebody just gave a million dollars at FFM. Pastor Don would probably say hold the train, but God's not going to say it. What is God moved by? He's moved by percentages. See, he said this woman gave more than all the people because they gave out of their wealth. And she gave out of her poverty. What God is concerned about is not how much we give. He's concerned about the percentage inside of that. My question to us this morning when we think about Christmas, we holding back? Here's what the statistics tell us. Poor people, are you ready? Poor people outgive rich people. That's, the, that's what the statistics tell us, hands down. You say, really? I'm not real sure. Why? Because a wealthy person says let, they're making a difference because they're giving zeros. Amen. But a poor person says they're making a difference because they give a percentage. A person who makes $100,000 a year could give $2,000. The person who makes $30,000 who gives 10%. Who do you think is giving more? 
Christmas shopping, buying school. See, like all those presents, all those food that's out there for that family. This church has adopted a family. Melody's uh, heading that up and all those things. Do you understand together we can give more than one person can give? It's about percentages. When we show up, when they show up with all of that stuff to that family, we've got one statement for them. Merry Christmas. Jesus hasn't forgotten you. That's ministry. Listen, if, if, you've got, if, you, buy a new, if you buy a new washer and a dryer, or, or a washer and dryer, don't, don't throw away your old ones. Give it to us. We'll find a family in the community who doesn't have one, and we will show up and give it to them and say, the Lord hasn't forgotten you. When you buy a new fridge, don't throw the old one away. Give it to us. We will give it to someone else. What is ministry? Taking what we have and giving it to someone who doesn't. We've had cars donated. We just, we just keep doing these type of things to show up at people's house. And we've got one statement. The statement's not, hey, come to church. The statement's not, hey, you need to get right with God. The statement's not anything other than Jesus hasn't forgotten you. That's ministry. It's giving. That's what we do. So watch. So watch how the enemy kills giving. Are you with me? He says to the poor person, why would you give? Don't give because what you give won't make a difference. It's minuscule. It's minute. But if you, if you get a million people who are poor to give a dollar, that's going to make a pretty big difference, isn't it? Am I right? God is not concerned by how much we give. God is concerned about the percentages. And my question to this church is how committed are we to walking out a legacy? Jesus says this to us. Do you understand that this church is decorated this week, right now because someone gave their time this weekend? We should give them a hand, right? I love the fact Michelle brings in a bunch of people and, and they decorate and it's not gaudy, it's just right. Just kind of blesses us. You, you know, you walk into some places like the mall or whatever and you're just like, whoa. Somebody, somebody got addicted to Christmas like drug, a bad drug or something here. Whoa. I want to say thank you to those who give your time. To the kids, to the ministry, to what's growing here and what's happening. Thank you. That's giving. Help the kingdom of heaven. We help the kingdom of heaven by helping and blessing other people. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, it says, Lay not for yourselves treasures up in heaven. Because it rusts. Or lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, not on earth. Because on earth it'll rust. It'll get corrupted. God is able to bless you abundantly so that all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It's the ministry. Giving. That's a legacy. Because Jesus was born to give. How about a legacy of love? Are you with me? You know... Sometimes we might ask our kids, hey, can you quote the Ten Commandments? Or we might ask each other, can you quote the Ten Commandments? And we go, ah, uh, okay, all right, all right, I got this, I got this. Yeah, you shall have no other gods before God. Uh, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, after a lot of mumbling and going on, you know what? Really, when we read the scripture, you know what Jesus says? Hey, guys, don't worry about it. 
You know what he says? He says this in John chapter 13. Are you ready? Watch this. Watch this. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Here is the summary. Here's why Jesus says, don't worry about it. I've got something I want you to understand. There's one commandment. One thing you need to realize. Listen, live and walk and love people like I did it. You know what? You know what? When, when you do that, you won't steal because you're walking in love. When you do that, you won't covet somebody else's things because you're walking in love. When you do that, you'll say, I'm glad they have that. I'm happy for them. I'm glad they're moving up. I'm glad God is blessing them because you're walking in love. I'm glad they got that promotion. I'm praying for you to be blessed because I'm walking in love. Why wouldn't a person commit adultery? Because that's not the kind of love that God uh, portrays to us. Why wouldn't a person murder somebody? Because that's not God's love. See, when we're governed by God, we don't need to be governed by rules. It's this, it's this ministry that God has given this legacy. So when we get mad at a friend or a family member, you know what we do? We withhold love from them. Hello, church. When we disagree about an issue, when we don't understand the way each other thinks, we, 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 we withhold love. Let me put it to you this way. You can tweet this and Facebook it too if you want to. Listen to this. What blood is to our body, love is to relationships. You just go home, try it. Just try it. Tie a big old string right around your arm. Pull it tight and cut the blood off to your hand. See how long it lasts. The kids, don't do that. Don't. Please don't do that. I was talking to the adults at that point. Blood's going to stop flowing. And it's going to die and begin to rot. And gangrene's going to set in. It's going to get gross. Hello, church. You ever had a gangrene set into a relationship? Not good. It's a lack of flow of love. As a lack of flow of love. It's so important. Blood carries the life. Love carries the life. I know couples who have gotten mad at each other, not spoke to each other two, three, four, five days because they got in an argument. I'm not talking. I'm not speaking. They want him to say good morning. They want him to say pass the salt. Hello, church. I know everybody's going, wow, was he at our house yesterday? What is going on? You know what happened? You just cut off the love flow, and decay is starting to set in. The good news is, let the love flow, and life will come back. I said, you ever had your hand fall asleep? Because it was in the wrong position. You wake up, and you can't move it, right? You're like, oh, my, what happened? And, you know, you, like, flop it around so that the blood will start flowing back to it, right? It starts tingling. And you're like, oh, it's ting- I can't. T-. That's life flowing back into it. Remember when you first met and fell in love? You're all tingly all over. You couldn't wait to see each other because you got the tingles. You're like, ooh. Oh, my. He's just so handsome. The tingles, right? Get all flush. It's life flowing back into it. You know when I mess up, you know what I do? I say, I'm sorry. 
seem to say it all the time. I don't think I mess up quite as much as I have to say I'm hard. sorry, though. Just, I don't know how this works. I'm sorry. I apologize. I want to make this right. I want the blood to flow. I want our love to flow. I want to get the love back going again. I don't want to cut off the love. You know, the greatest need in humanity today is not money. The greatest need is not things. The greatest thing is not government or politics to be right or to be wrong, to be left or whatever. The greatest need in humanity today is to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved. That's our struggle. That is our struggle. I just want to be loved. Somebody accept me for who I am. You know what 1 Corinthians 13 says? Love never fails. Can you say never? You know, that's a pretty strong word. Especially in the context of Scripture. Love never fails. How about this? Last but not least. A legacy of light. Give me five more minutes. You know that's about 20 minutes for a preacher. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Can I say this? Can, can, can light always, can you say always? always? Takes out darkness. Light always takes, darkness never wins. It, it never wins. It blood, just go in your house and flip on the light. See how many times darkness wins. Just take a record. All right, the light won. Turn it off. Let's see if it struggles again. Turn it back on. Light, light won. Another one for light. You know, as you stand there all day, you can replace the bulbs as many times as you want to. Light always wins. I never walk into my house at night and flip on a light and see a struggle. It never happens. I'm watching. But it never happens. Light always wins. We know that inside of us and we believe in that inside of us. If we didn't, we wouldn't reach for the light switch every time we walk in a dark room. We never worry about darkness winning. We have confidence that as soon as we turn on the light, the darkness will flee. Come on, this is... In the presence of light, darkness can never stand. And I love this because, see, Jesus knew this too, and he understood this. It always runs from darkness. And Jesus made this statement. Y'all better help me. Jesus made this statement. He says, I am. Glory to God. I am the light of the world. Darkness never wins. He said, a town built on a hill. It can't be hidden. Why? Because it'll be lit up at night. In the same way, let your light so shine before men. Now, how am I, how am I, listen to me, how am I, see, and then he goes on. Then he goes on. You ready? Are you ready? Because he didn't leave you out of this. Then he says to this, you, you are the light of the world. Glory to God. Come on, church, y'all. How are we supposed to carry around a candle? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it, no, no. He said to let your good deeds glorify your Father by letting your light shine. He didn't talk about a little light. He said you're the light of the world. You light up the darkness. What's he saying? See, see, the light that we carry as we go around this legacy of ministry, this legacy of giving, this legacy of love, this legacy of blessing, this legacy of helping, when we do these things, the legacy of light explodes through us and we are light in a dark world, church. Man, that's good. So the next time you're hesitant to say something to your neighbor, 
The next time you're hesitant to say something uh, to, to your coworker or to invite somebody to church, you got to remember, look, no, light always wins. That's darkness trying to win, but light always wins. And you got to go up to them and say, hey, I'd like to invite you. Hey, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Hey, I'd like to talk to you. Listen, you got a new neighbor. Well, I love Matt Chandler's stand. Matt Chandler's just moved into a community, and he got set up, and, and the first time he met his neighbor, he just walked right outside. The neighbor came over and shook his hand and said, hey, my name's so-and-so, and he said, my name's Matt Chandler. We might as well get this over with while we're at it. How, how do you know Jesus? He says, neighbor just looked at him and said, yeah, I'm the pastor of the church here in town, and I just need to know, are you saved or not? Let's just get this out of the way right now. So be around the bush. I'm walking in a dark room, just got to flip on the light. I'll be stumping my toe around here. Next time you think about inviting your family or your friends to church, and there's that hesitance, you got to say, no, I'm the light of the world. How many of you? Some, I know what you're going to do. Some of you, right? You're going to leave here in just a few minutes. In just a few minutes, you're going to load the kids in the car, and this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn on the Christmas music in the broad daylight and you're going to say, hey kids, let's ride around and look at the bulbs. It's Christmas time. Let's go look at the bulbs. In the middle of the day, this is what you're going to do. You're going to crank the heater up. Right? You're going to have the Christmas music blaring. No. When are you going to do that? At night. When the lights are shining, that's when you're going to do it. And nobody, but nobody, you mark my word, nobody cares about bulbs. Everybody wants to see the lights. Come on, church, we don't care what kind of bulb is shining. We want to see the lights. Listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you came from. I'm not talking about you as a bulb. Listen, forget that. You got thin bulbs, tall bulbs, small bulbs, round bulbs, skinny bulbs. I don't care. You got red bulbs, green bulbs, and white bulbs. I don't care what kind of bulb you are. Don't nobody care about bulbs. All we care about is light. Unless we're stringing out, my wife's, we got to string out the lights, right? Gotta, I always plug them in before I wrap it around the tree. I don't know about you guys because I'm just telling you, as soon as I wrap it around, I'm going to find out half of it's not working. And then I'm going to have to spend them from now until Jesus comes back trying to find one bulb. One bulb! And then you get this little gun, this machine, you hook to it. Oh, it'll show you. It'll show you. Listen, a string of lights cost $1.50. You want me to buy a $50 machine to tell me to find one bulb? It still don't work. Go buy a new set of lights. $1.50. Throw that one in the garbage. My wife's like, can you fix it? No. Jesus can't fix this. We've been left a legacy of lights. I'm asking you, church, are we going to shine? It's Christmas time. Are we going to shine? You look at these lights. Are we going to shine? Think about this. Think about this. Come on up here, Brent. Y'all stand with me. I'm, I'm done. Here's your challenge. Here's your challenge. It's Christmas. Here's your challenge. Born to give. We've been born into a legacy. Right? This week, I want you to think about who is this person? in my world that needs me to put my arm around them this week and ask, 
How you doing? How can I pray for you? How can I bless you? I dare you. I dare you take 15 minutes to sow into someone's life, to plant, to invest into someone's life. Because you have a born legacy. And if you want to live big, if you want to live big, take 30 minutes. Take 60 minutes if you want to live big. Take someone to coffee. Take someone to lunch. Someone in your world that needs, that just needs a hug like we talked about last week. Maybe you know some kids who don't have a mom or a dad or maybe they're single parents and maybe you could take those kids out to McDonald's to the Playland or ice cream. Because see, you say, why would we do that? Because see, you never know, you never know what your words of love How, how impacting they can be on the lies and the darkness that's been sown into that person's life. How your words of love, your attitude of giving kill what the enemy's trying to do in their life. This is a challenge. It's Christmas. It's not about getting. Christmas is not a holiday. It's an advent. The world has taken an advent and made it a holiday. That's why it's cheap today. That's why they're seeking to take Christ out of it. See, when, when you leave Christ in it, they have to admit it's not a holiday. When you leave Christ in it, it's about sacrifice. It's not about getting. When you leave Christ in it, it's about giving. It's not about getting. That's why the world is trying to take it away. Listen, I, they can call it whatever they want to. It doesn't change the fact that it's an advent for us. Christ was born. To give us a legacy. Come on, church. You have a legacy. And that is so powerful. Let me pray over you. Father, show us who it is this week that we can pull aside and say, I'm here for you. I love you. And I want you to know that God loves you and that God believes in you. Father, show us whose life we can be your voice in. Father, would you show us whose shoulders we can wrap our arms around and, and let them know that we care and that, that you care. Father, show us who it is that we can be there to comfort. Father, would you use us? Lord, we're going to do what you challenge us to do because I'm amazed that you have put your faith in us. We want your legacy to live through us here on earth. So let us shine for your glory, Lord, and your honor. Would you do it this week, Jesus? Let someone experience the advent of Christ so that the true meaning of Christmas will be demonstrated, not because it's a holiday on a calendar, but because Jesus was born as a Savior. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor for it. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, give the Lord a hand of praise. But you turn around and tell someone you're a light. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Hey, next week, Christmas program.